The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 till 11. Now on Mitchell's Front Page, On the Road with Toby Hagan. Good morning, Toby. How are you? Morning, Mr. Very well, thanks. Now, tell us about the Kia EV6 electric car. You think it's going to be pretty hotly demanded? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this Kia EV6, it's uh, it's effectively a twin under the skin of the Hyundai Ioniq 5, which is a car that uh, just recently went on sale. Um, Hyundai's been very um, uh, very short on supply of that vehicle. They could only initially put 240 of them on sale, but they sold out within a few hours. So even though it was a $75,000 plus car, uh, within a few hours, all 240 had sold out. Now, Kia has come out and said that their version, the EV6, which goes on sale in Australia early next year, they're saying they're only going to get 500 for all of 2022. They've also hinted that it's going to be maybe a fraction more from a price perspective so possibly closer to $80,000. So obviously by far the most expensive car to have ever gone through a Kia showroom. But um, still, they're expecting it to sell out. I mean, uh, they're they're saying they've had about 14,000 expressions of interests, um, which is more than they've had for any other car that they've bought bought into Australia. So they're uh, expecting pretty big things. So if you get that many expressions of interest, but you're only going to sell 500, what do you do? How do you work out who gets one? Or do you just significantly increase the price? No, well, that's that's the challenge. No, I mean, yes, theoretically, they could increase the price, but uh, there's obviously other vehicles on the market. Suddenly, you start playing up against uh, uh, more luxury brands and so on. Um, and this is something, this is a challenge Hyundai had. When they, they had only 240, they ended up um, selling the car only online, so not giving it to the dealer network, but selling them purely online to try and, uh, and basically it was a Le Mans start. So so uh, it went on sale online and you had to get in quickly and put your deposit down. Kia's going to do it a bit differently. They're saying they will go through their dealer network. They've got 138 dealers Australia-wide. Um, and then it's up to the dealers how they sell it. But um, clearly head office will be encouraging them the, them not to put the prices up because obviously that leaves a sour taste in people's minds. But uh, ultimately, they're, they're dealers and they can, um, you know, according to Australian consumer law, my understanding is they can charge what they want. So it's um, while there's a recommended retail price, theoretically they can go above, but I would be surprised if they did that. I think um, I think they'll, uh, I would have thought they'd play it pretty straight because uh, ultimately they've got to look at the long term with something like this and, and electric cars are obviously going to be around for a long time yet. Now, uh, you've been driving the new Polestar too. Tell us about that experience. Yeah, the Polestar is a brand most people haven't heard of. It's um, it's effectively an electric car offshoot of Volvo. So it's uh, um, uh, it's owned by uh, Volvo and Volvo's parent company, Geely, a Chinese manufacturer, and they've created this brand called Polestar. And Polestar 2 is the first car that they've got in Australia. Uh, first deliveries will start arriving early next year. There are some cars in the country now which they're, they're doing demos and so on with, and I've been lucky enough to be in one of those. Um, Pricing-wise, identical to the Tesla Model 3, so it's pretty clear who they're going after. Um, so that makes it sort of $60,000 plus on road costs. Um, there are obviously some rebates depending on uh, what part of the country you live in. I think in Victoria, for example, $3,000 rebate that you can get, which brings the price down a little bit. Um, so fairly sharply priced and... Um, 
uh, a really impressive car. I mean, this is, I would think it's probably the most serious competition yet for Tesla in terms of, uh, in terms of, I guess, the, what the car is trying to achieve. So technology, um, driving enjoyment, all those sorts of things. It does really nicely. It's, um, they, they're going to do over the air software updates regularly. So bring new functionality and features to the car. It's also got Android automotive, which is a, a Google owned operating system. It sort of controls the, the nerve center of the car. I had, I've had a few issues with that in terms of connectivity. But uh, hopefully they'll iron those out in the next um, in the next couple of weeks or so. So, um, so yeah, as I said, really impressive car. I mean, the one area it probably falls short is is packaging or interior space. So it's um, uh, because it's based on a petrol engine platform. It uh, it has, I guess, the compromises that come with that. So, for example, you've got a um, uh, a transmission tunnel, a sort of hump in the floor that uh-huh. goes on the rear of the floor there, which in a lot of new EVs you don't get. So that Hyundai and Kia I was talking about, they've got a completely flat floor in the back so it's it's much more spacious for your feet but uh, as i said this this polestar does have that hump in the floor there so um so occasional compromises like that but um uh, the finishes the materials the way it drives all those sorts of things are absolutely top notch they've done a uh, done a really nice job of it and do you think it will be a legitimate threat to the tesla model 3 or will tesla have that advantage because they were first to market Tesla's certainly got an advantage and they've got the momentum at the moment. Um, and the one thing, I mean, Tesla, look, Tesla built a great car. You know, it's, it's in terms of energy efficiency and so on, the Model 3 does a really good job. It's not perfect. There are issues with the, with the Model 3, things like build quality, for example. Um, the interior is not to everyone's taste. It's got uh, it's got a very stark interior that's sort of offset by this uh, enormous centre touchscreen that it's got that is the nerve centre of the car. But uh, but as I said, they do a lot right. But um, but as I said, Tesla's got the momentum. I think the challenge for Polestar, um, all they need to do really is sort of, I guess, get on people's shopping lists, and I think they'll have some uh, some success there. The challenge, I think, for them will be getting enough stock. I mean, at the moment, the expectation is that this year Tesla will sell something close to 10,000 cars in Australia, which... Um, uh, is more than all the other electric cars combined. So they're, uh, they're miles ahead of everyone. And I just don't know if Polestar is going to be able to get anything like that sort of volume into the country. So that'll be their challenge. But um, if they can sort of address that one, I think they'll uh, they'll potentially make, make a few inroads. Now, a lot of talk from the federal government recently about the money for electric cars and a new electric car policy. And they've been criticised from some quarters because it's not necessarily consistent with what they took to the 2019 election in terms of their rhetoric. But I believe they were just up the road from here at Toyota making this announcement. You've been pouring through the detail and what do you make of it? Yeah, look, it's pretty light on, Mitchell. I mean, when you look at um, what the government spends on other projects and even when you look at what they spend on um, subsidies for or fuel excise rebates for diesel-powered vehicles, typically for primary producers, mining companies, those sorts of things that are using diesel for uh, for their operations, they get a... uh, uh, a rebate of 43 cents for every litre of diesel they put in the vehicle. So it's it's roughly a third, uh, or sorry, almost a third or a quarter of what you'd pay for fuel um, compared with what we're paying. So so clearly there's a big advantage there for uh, for existing businesses or the businesses that, apply, that uh, are eligible for this rebate. There's a big, big incentive for them to go and use a diesel-powered vehicle. Whereas with uh, electric cars, um, and sorry, I should say that subsidy adds up to Almost $8 billion annually is what's given in terms of uh, fuel excise rebates to, to those industries. So fossil fuels, almost $8 billion in rebates. 
Uh, and the federal government's come out after a decade or so of thinking about it and said, oh, we'll give electric cars $250 million, which is sort of, it's, it's almost laughable, to be honest. I mean, it's, um, you know, the New South Wales government, for example, has offered $490 million as part of a far more comprehensive electric vehicle policy. The federal government's come out with less than half of that to effectively put in some charges around the country. So it's, uh, yeah, it's getting, getting a lot of criticism within the industry. And as you pointed out, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, you know, compared with what they were saying three years ago that, um, electric cars would end the weekend uh it's it's again a bit of a joke it's it's you know if you look at some um, the comments back then about how it was going to end the weekend by, by having electric cars and since then the prime minister's come out and said oh no it's uh, the technology's changed enormously well the technology hasn't changed enormously um the electric cars three years ago were very similar to the electric cars today i mean the tesla model 3 was around for example and it was um uh you know the, the technology is extremely similar so it's uh yeah there's there's a lot to learn i think on the government's um side when it comes to electric vehicles that's and I think the publicity around electric cars is better now than what it was. I mean, you've got your uh, evcentral.com.au website. You can see that that's where the industry is going. And the idea of having an electric car now, to me, seems a little bit more normal than what it was three years ago. I think if you bought one three years ago, it was still very much out of the box thinking and, oh, you know, range anxiety and all that sort of thing. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's still things like range anxiety. They're still obviously expensive, but certainly the people, there's more people, obviously. There's now tens of thousands of Australians who have had the opportunity to experience them. And, uh, you know, I can't think of anyone I've spoken to who says they'll go back to a petrol-powered car once they've had an EV. Obviously, they don't suit everyone. There are still challenges for some specific applications, but that's certainly being overcome by, uh, you know, increased increased charging opportunities, increased um, uh, driving range and better affordability. So the, 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 I guess the, the concerns with EVs are being answered, but um, there's still some way to go, as I said, for some people. But it's, uh, but no, I mean they're far more normal, and it's, um, uh, it's interesting. It's you know you put people in an EV these days. I picked someone up the other day. Um, drove them about uh, 15 kilometres. They didn't even know they were in an EV until I pointed it out. So it was mm. um, so the fact that they're that normal, I guess, is uh, is certainly appealing to a lot of people. And the 250 million dollars for electric car charges, where does that money go, and what does that network actually look like? Like, is it going to be an electric car charger like a petrol station just up the road from me? And how much would it cost me to use it if I had an electric car? Well, I think the details a bit light on for now, but my understanding is it'll be more trying to encourage EV charging stations at people's houses. So you, you sort of smaller, slower speed charging ones um, in private residences, which um, again is pretty weird because I mean they only cost you know roughly two thousand dollars. Yes, that's two thousand dollars, but most people are going to be spending you know upwards of fifty thousand dollars on an electric car to get into one to start with. So um, and it's a one-off charge, obviously, rather than the uh, the charge of the car. So it's uh, rather than the ongoing charge if you're upgrading cars. Mm. So. So it's um, so yeah. As I said, details are a bit light on, but um, but no. I mean, the petrol station charges are an interesting one. A lot of people mention that, and certainly Ampol, for example, is one that's putting in some EV charges in some uh, specific locations. But as a general rule, I don't think we'll see many EV charges in suburban um, petrol stations because the reality is people don't aspire to go to a petrol station. They, they go there because they need petrol. Um, you know, most people, if they want to stop somewhere for half an hour, an hour or two hours, 
They'll go and watch a movie. They'll go to, uh, go to the waterfront to go for a stroll. They'll go to a restaurant. They'll go to a shopping centre, those sorts of things. So they're the sorts of places that I think you're uh, you're more likely to see those EV chargers. And obviously on the, the foreshore there at Geelong, there's already some. There's, yes. Uh, there's, there's a few there, public ones already. So there's, uh, you know, that sort of thing, I think, is where we'll see more of those uh, EV chargers. Yeah, that would actually make sense when you think about it. The uh, dining at petrol stations would have to improve significantly yeah. in order to get people to, to want to go there. Um, Absolutely. And when you charge your electric car at home, what does that actually do to your power bill? Does it go up significantly or is it sort of a very small amount of um, energy that you're actually using there? Obviously, it depends how far you drive the car, but yes, it can go up significantly. But as a general rule, um, you would spend roughly half on electricity than what you would on petrol, putting petrol into a car. So I guess if, if you say the average person might spend $100 a week on petrol, then uh, they're probably going to spend something like $50 a week on electricity. So yes, it will put the bill up each quarter. And I mean, you look at that example, you know, two and a half there dollars extra to your uh, to your fuel bill for that um, that year, but uh, but as I said, compared with five thousand dollars of petrol, it's certainly a lot more affordable. Now you went for a ride in a very interesting development vehicle. I did, yeah, a car called the Ineos Grenadier, which um, I mean we talked about Polestar earlier, and people not not knowing what that is, but but very few people would have heard of the Ineos Grenadier. Um, it's a, a new brand that actually has an amazing backstory, which was that um, uh, this this company called Ineos, which uh, anyone who watched the, the Formula One race this morning over in uh, Brazil would have may have noticed Ineos branding on the Mercedes Benz cars, the Formula One cars. Ineos is a uh, a chemicals company, so they've made their name with that, and they're, they're known globally as a chemicals company. But some of the execs a few years ago were, were having a few beers in a pub in the UK and uh, really looking at the uh, demise, the imminent demise of the original Land Rover Defender, saying, isn't it a shame this thing's going out of business? Um, they're going to an all-new one, which isn't going to have the same sort of appeal. So they came up with a plan to effectively revive the spirit of the Land Rover Defender. And now they're into car building, created this car called the Ineos Grenadier. Uh, the pub they were in having those beers was called the Grenadier, so that's where that name comes from. And and um, the car is in Australia now, testing, uh, doing testing and development to, uh, as part of its, uh, well, part of preparing for on sale next year. It's going to be in Australia towards the end of next year, uh, pricing from around about $85,000. It's going to have BMW six-cylinder engines, both diesel and petrol, uh, and a body that very much looks like it was inspired by that previous Land Rover Defender, the one that went off sale about five years ago. So um, <clears throat> so the big thing they're focusing on is off-road. They're trying to make it a proper commercial-focused off-roader, very um, uh, significant um, uh, capability in terms of off-road and also putting it up against things like Australian corrugated roads, which can be vicious in the outback. So that's what that car's doing for uh, for the next year or so. But uh, as I said, got to, uh, got to sit in the passenger seat, didn't get to drive it yet. It was pretty rough and ready, this car. Really, a lot of the features weren't working on it. It was a true development car. It was covered in mud. It had already done a fair bit of hard work. But... Um, <clears throat> I guess the things that stood out, it's certainly, uh, we didn't do absolutely full-on off-roading, but we did some fairly serious off-roading and it was it did that extremely easily. So it's clearly got capability. Um, it feels tough. It's got quite a, um, uh, I wouldn't say luxurious cabin, but certainly more upmarket than the original Defender. The, the Defenders were pretty basic things. This one's um, trying to inject a bit more, uh, a bit more comfort into the cabin. 
a little bit of a, cock, uh, uh, a cockpit feel to, to the whole cabin. So the way the um, the way some of the the buttons and so on, they've got buttons on the roof and all over the place. So it's uh, it gives you gives you that sort of impression that you're in a plane to to some extent. But um, but as I said, a pretty impressive car. Well, thank you very much for being on the program and looking forward to speaking to you again in a fortnight. Sounds good. Thanks, Mitchell. Thank you, Toby Hagen. There, the editor of EVCentral.com.au. The Mitchell's Front Page Podcast is brought to you by Geelong Bank. Listen live on 94.7 The Pulse, Mondays and Tuesdays from 9 to 11. Or search for Mitchell's Front Page on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you get your podcasts.